a Nickelodeon original podcast. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements ad-free with Avatar Braving the Elements Premium on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today. Hello, friends, benders, and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And Varney, we're back, baby. We're back. That's right, buddy. We sure are at long last. This season's been a long time coming, but we're happy to be back in the Air Bison saddle to get into <laughs> book three with everyone out there. We have so many amazing book free episodes to dig into with some phenomenal new guests. And plenty of old returning friends to the show, plus a ton of amazing deep dive conversations and games and so much more coming at you for season three of Braving the Elements. I can't wait. And I think we all know that our first episode back was a little bit of a no-brainer, right? I mean, how could we possibly begin season three without a good, old-fashioned family reunion? I'm going to beat that uh, analogy into the ground. We are never going to stop calling them our two dads. <laughs> so we are just over the moon spirit, pause for hey. laughter, to welcome back our two dads, Mike DiMartino and Brian Kanetsko. Hello, dads. Hello. What's up, guys? Our two dads are back. Good to see you guys. Long time no see. Great to see you. Thanks for having us. Good to see you again. Welcome to season three. Oh, well, thank you. I know. <laughs> season Feels three, good. book three. A lot going on. I was refreshing about what was going on. So much has been going on that I'm, I'm just excited to get into what's, what's going to happen. What I hear you saying is I'm excited to go to the Fire Nation. Am I oversimplifying it? I mean, a lot of good folks in the Fire Nation, you guys. A lot of good folks go. in the Fire Nation. Uh, guys, we always appreciate you taking time out. We know that you are so busy. Obviously, you're very busy working on... Uh-huh. Some stuff. Uh-huh. Some things. <laughs> <laughs> Some Avatar-related things. Yeah. Which everyone's excited about. The whole the whole fan base is ex- excited about and just exploding. And, of course, we all are. You know? We, we can't wait. I know. All we can really say, like, I know everyone's like, hey, where's the stuff? What's going on? Like, everyone's working really hard. It takes a really long time to make animation. Thank you for your patience. I promise it will all pay off. Someday, <laughs> when I can't really, I don't really know when that will be, but things are happening. We appreciate you know. any answer at all. Brian is just sitting in <laughs> silence, knowing that sometimes other people will fill the silence if you don't say anything. I mean, it's just a very con- clever tactic. Just for context, like we started the original series, Avatar The Last Airbender, in spring of 2002. And, you know, it didn't premiere until like spring of 2005. So, but no one knew who we were or what we were working on. I think we did one little like test pilot panel at Comic-Con. So, um, yeah, it's animation takes years, um, of our lives and years (laughs) off of our lives, uh, to make. And now we're trying to make a bunch of stuff all at once. So it's compounding that, but yep, everybody's hard at work and we're working with a bunch of awesome people. I think if I I could state a goal for book three, for season three of Braving the Elements, it would be 
to restore some of those shaved off years. What we're trying to do here is be so positive and bring so much love at you from the fandom that you find yourself magically regaining those years that are being shaved off with all the hard work that you're doing. That'd be amazing. It's a small goal. I mean, it, it works a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazed that people are still talking about it 20 years, some Isn't odd years crazy? later. So, Isn't yeah. that crazy? We're doing podcasts 20 that. years later. Yeah. No idea. We, I was talking to Jack DeSena about that the other day, and we were like, who, when we were recording this for the first time, like, there's nowhere in our minds that we thought we'd be talking about this show 20 years later and it being revered no. the way it is. And, and really, like, oh, my God, like, these are characters that we're going to be remembered for. Like, it was nowhere in our mind that that was happening while we were no. doing it, which I think makes it even kind of cooler. You yeah, know? and would that have changed anything? Like, you're not know. putting that in the context of, like, if only we'd known, we wouldn't have X, Y, Z. Like, you know, would, it, would, you, would anything really have changed if you knew that? I, I, I don't know. What do you so. guys think? When you, when you guys were <laughs> I doing mean, we the were first just trying to We were just trying to make the best show we could at the time yeah. with the knowledge we had and the people we worked with and stuff. So I don't know that we could have changed that or would have changed it. So, yeah, I think we tried to make the show with a long shelf life, you know, uh, coming from sitcom animation, it, it took just as long. Uh, it was, it was hard to make as well, but it, it actually felt really, it felt kind of disposable, you know, it was, it was just like a sitcom thing and it was just sort of, Felt like it was just filling that half hour and that week. Mm. It didn't really seem like it, you know, had a had a bigger life um, to me at least. I don't know. I think because I was craving more epic stories and bigger character arcs, and you know, um, so yeah, we just we we definitely tried to make it something that would last. But uh, but I don't know. We've been in it for so long. I've lost. Uh, <laughs> I've lost any sort of reference point of what I thought. I, you know, how long I thought we would have been talking about, about it or working on it. So. Well, why don't we get into? Uh, we'll, we'll sort of get into book three. Well, before we go into book three, we, let's just give a huge shout out to book two, where we yeah. met some amazing people like Toff for the first time, and we enjoyed a lot of really delightful original songs and journey great distances across incredible places like intriguing swamps and deserts with sunken libraries, dangerous water crossings. That's right. We became exhausted from all that running and chasing by Azula. We cried our eyes out during Azula. Tales of Ba Sing Se and Appa's Lost Days. We, we found out that there both was and was not a war in Ba Sing Se. Um, what else? We met a bear who was just a bear. Um, we tried to uh, sort of master all our chakras. Um, we found out the right way to say chakras. And uh, I don't know. Um, am I forgetting anything? Oh, yeah. We watched Aang get killed, dads. We watched Aang yeah. get killed. That happened. <laughs> I always forget that. Mike's always like, yeah, Aang, Aang died in the end of book two. And I'm always like, <laughs> I he forget did? about that, too. I thought he just We did leave zapped. on a bit of a, yeah, yeah. well... I mean, Katara had the healing water, so we know she did. Maybe he's, maybe he's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, I, 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 at cons, I see a lot of Aang cosplayers, right? And the ones that are really good, they show me the scar on the back, mm. and I'm like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we did that. <laughs> I forgot we uh, <laughs> we got him good with that one, huh? Uh, yeah. I, I forget about that. 
Yeah. I kind of forget about it, too. And it it was actually when I was rewatching The Awakening for, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time just in the last year or so, when Sokka says, welcome back to the land of the living. Hey, good to see you back with the living, buddy. Like I had sort of skimmed past that in my mind. And then for some reason, this last watch I watched and I was like, that's so macabre, like classic Sokka (laughs) being like, hey, dead guy, how you doing? Welcome back to where we've been while you were dead and unconscious. So that's I think that's why I wanted to make sure we pointed that out, because like for some reason, it's often Sokka who, you know, in his like semi tactless way is the character that reminds me of like the grim reality of the situation sometimes in episodes. Was there any pushback from the studio at the time? We're like, hey, we're going to kill the kid. Uh, Huh? It's like a video video game death. I mean, you've got like, you know, like Mike said, Katara had the healing water. So it's like, he died. He came right back, you know. He had had extra life. He had extra life. He had an extra life. He was resuscitated. He he had a save, (laughs) you know. But it's also one of those things that rewards you with a rewatch, right, which is true of so much of Avatar, which is that when you're doing a rewatch and you're watching that moment with Zuko and Katara where she's got that water and is sort of, you know, they're sort of looking contemplatively at Zuko's scar, you have the reward of like, thank God he doesn't, you know, it's a good thing he doesn't repair his scar with that healing water. I know. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the the... The characters that we meet uh, for the first time or that we get to know a little bit better if we've been Easter egged them like Iron <clears throat> Turtle. Um, but, you know, or, or, or Ozai, for example, where we actually see Ozai for the first time. Um, I think maybe we sort of touched on this in, in season two. But what was that conversation like when when we just weren't seeing Ozai clearly right in front of us until this this moment that happens at the beginning of book three uh i mean we i think early on we just wanted to have like the intrigue of who is this guy he was supposed to be the big bad at, you know that we weren't gonna ang was never gonna face him in the first two books so we were trying to build that mystery around him and stuff um you know in retrospect Maybe it would have been interesting to meet him earlier. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, this was the moment of like Zuko finally comes home. And we thought, well, that's the place to, you know, finally show him in his full splendor in the throne room. So you have redeemed yourself, my son. Welcome home. Yeah, I remember it was, I think the idea came out of the writer's room. Like there was this idea to, to hide him. And then I think I think we thought, oh, he's going to look like Zuko unscarred. And we wanted to like save that. And then in the end, it was kind of like, it's animation. So it's hard to make, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't have the impact we thought it was going to. Um, it was just like, hey, there he is. <laughs> he's a guy and he has long hair and a, a really long like goatee or something. You know, it was just it was it was okay. It had, but, it, it yeah. had the impact on me when I walked into the booth and it was Mark Hamill. It had the heavy who lo- who impact looks, on me. Who looks a little different. He's a, you know. But, yeah. He's a little different. I was like, but it was like Mark's gonna play Ozai. I'm like, sure, Mark Andrea Romano's like, yeah, Mark's gonna come play. And then it's Mark Hamill walks the room and I'm like, huh? That's Mark Hamill. 
It was crazy. I was like, I was, I kept my cool, of course. Of course, you're done to But Moscow. it was a crazy experience. I was like, what is going on right now? And then we're we're saying like Star Wars lines to each other, like like Luke and Vader kind of talk. He's like telling me stuff. I'm like, this is so weird. This is so weird. You're like a Darth Vader dude right now to me. Mark Hamill, you're crazy. It was wild. It I had love- the impact on me. Yeah, I love that that you didn't show his face. And I think I, I understand what you're saying, because if you were if this were Game of Thrones or whatever, insert, you know, popular show here where we see a character in the shadows and it's live action. That's the moment where you reveal like it's been Marlon Brando this whole time. I can't right, believe you right. got Orson Welles to play this character. I never knew. So I understand the sort of like stunt casting reveal that, you, that you're that you not getting with, with the animation. But I think what you just said is actually quite wonderful because, you know, this is such Zuko's story alongside Aang and, and the rest of the gang's story. But it's, it's, it's really also Zuko's story in a huge way. And so the idea that we don't get to see his father's face until he does, I think is really powerful. So I think that in and of itself is kind of amazing because we also know Aang doesn't. So we're along with them for their experience. And so that the impact, I think, just like you were saying, Dante, you feel the impact of it in the character's experience, which is great because that creates that sort of empathetic response that we have to Zuko. And it's one of the reasons why people feel so much like they're on his journey as much as Aang's, if not more so for some people, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's the end of his banishment. And so it sort of brings you, yeah, like you said, it's it's his first time seeing his dad since he was banished, which has been years by this point. So, um, yeah, I don't think it was like a mistake. I think we just, I think that our original thought of the impact it would have, it didn't have that impact, but it, it wasn't necessarily a bad choice. It was just sort of like, Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But he's also very also handsome. Like like he's not used, maniacal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, he's a very attractive young father. Like he's, he's not, guy. he yeah. doesn't have this sort of, you know, like wrinkly, you know, like yeah. all yeah. always his eyebrows, yeah, like, fur- his brows furrowed, you know. I was like, how much older is Iroh than Ozai here? What's going on? How, uh, Iroh, Uncle Iroh's a little older. We always say he's about 10 years older, but also Iroh, yeah. Iroh lived through the war. True. Um, True. And I mean, I don't know, all my friends, like we just lived through a pandemic and we all aged quite a bit. I'm imagining living oh, yeah. through living through the decades of war uh, on the front lines. Like, I think that that might have aged Iroh quite a bit. So, yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ozai had some sort of weird, like hyperbolic chamber or something that he goes into. <laughs> to he has a skincare routine. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's got, got a skincare a routine and a lot of you have been asking about it and he would love to. <laughs> <laughs> the new Fire Nation line coming out and it's going to expire. That's right. That's right. Um, in terms of stylistically what you were looking at, we talked together uh, at the beginning of book two when we were getting ready to dive into that. We talked about the trip that the two of you took and how much of that informed, you know, the Forbidden City and and when we were getting to know Ba Sing Se and the design of that. And we really talked about that, not just with you, but with other people on the show through our last season. And then here we have this exposure to the Fire Nation and the sort of central 
point that's in this inside this volcano, right? This volcano bed. And Brian, you took a trip before season three, too, that kind of inspired some of that, right? Yeah, for book two, Mike and I had the chance to go to Beijing, which was awesome. And, you know, it was a whirlwind trip, but we got to see a lot of cool architecture and take our own photo reference and buy some reference books. Um, and so I was taking a vacation uh, to Iceland for the first time in summer of 2006. Um, but it just, my idea of a vacation is generally to like go on some adventure and I love doing <laughs> like landscape photography. So I was just taking a bunch of photos and all those ended up being like feeding directly into what we ended up making the fire nation look like. Um, wow. cause Iceland, obviously it's very far North, which is different than our kind of equatorial archipelago of the fire nation. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a young piece of geology. It's, it's this volcanic Island. And, and, um, if you've ever been there, it is, it, it strikes you at, at least around the coast, like, uh, it really looks a lot of it kind of looks like Hawaii. It's very wow. green. And there are, there are these, you know, waterfalls everywhere. Um, and then in the interior of the country, which are sometimes called the highlands or whatever, it's like volcanic. They're not technically deserts, I don't think, but they look like deserts since like black sand, you know, like expanses. Of, yeah. The wastelands are, you know, and there's basalt, rock formations and then this really verdant green like moss and um and again just waterfalls everywhere um so it was super inspiring um it's a very intense dramatic landscape and that seemed good for the fire nation it's very it's a very like again it's a very young piece of like geology so it's it's kind of violent you look and you're like oh this is where the earth ripped open and a bunch of magma poured out and then it cooled off when it hit some water and it formed basalt. And then you just, you really see, uh, cause it is so young, like how it formed. I mean, you feel like you're in like, uh, the land before time or, or whatever, you know, it, it just, it feels very primordial. So that all felt really appropriate for the fire nation. And, you know, we put like specific locations, uh, in, you know, that, that were real, like, um, there's this, this volcanic crater vent thing called, uh, I think it's called Viti and it smells terrible, but everybody hikes down and swims in the water, which is supposed to be good for your skin, but warm, it, warm it, water. It was not as warm as advertised for a volcanic <laughs> vent. I remember being not quite a hot cold spring. and it, we really, I had to throw out my bathing suit because it just smelled like sulfur so bad. <laughs> no, like I could goodness. not get it out, but that was where combustion man attacked, um, team avatar, their camp. You know, it was just like the, I just, you're like, you're on another planet, you know, it's just a wild looking place. So I was like, Oh, we'll just use this crater. And so yeah, Iceland. This is Iceland. Dumb question. Is there ice? Yeah, nice. there are glaciers. There's a lot. Okay, cool. Of, there are glaciers. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't it's know. People question. might want to know. There's I want to know. But I, like this place, that place is so wild that they have mountains. There's this thing. I forget the Icelandic name, but they call it the Queen Mountain, I think. And it's like there was this huge thick glacier and uh, on top of just a big flat plain of like volcanic rock, I think. And then this volcano erupts under the glacier 
blows this huge hole in this really deep glacier, fills up with lava, and then the glacier moves away, you know, like goes away. And then so it's it's like a cake mold mountain. <laughs> and so this it's just crazy. sitting in the middle of this desert. And then the sides are soft. They end up kind of just like crumbling into slopes. And it's when you're driving in the wastelands, there's just like nothing and then all of a sudden there's just this mountain just sitting there and it's like a cake mold. Um, so there's a bunch of, this is why geologists like love Iceland. There's just a bunch of like really yeah. uh, wild formations and stuff there. So, you know, it's true that when you are a person who engages with the Avatarverse on a regular basis, you start to notice stuff like that in a different context. Like Dante and I did a con in Colorado and we went to Garden of the Gods. And it's that the first thing thought I had, like I filter everything through Avatar now for better or for worse. Like the first thought I had was like, it really looks like some earthbenders were up to like some shenanigans around yes. here. Like you really see it through the lens of how like how are how are we as humans engaging with this landscape and how are are we totally. having conversations with it? How are we forming it and creating it? And um, again, like, you know, there's ways to do that that are much more about like what bending would be if we were having those impacts. And then the things we don't think about are the ways in which we're impacting it less directly and possibly for the worse. So I think the yeah. Avatarverse also kind of keeps you checking in with that stuff, um, ideally. And hopefully we have a nothing but fans who are concerned with keeping the world going and protecting it and, you know, trying to back out of some of the the damage that we've done. But I don't want to go super negative, but that is something that crosses my mind. Um, do you guys have standout episode favorites from book three? Uh, I mean, book three has, yeah, I would say the most of my favorites in it. Um, hey, the, com yeah. Combustion man is awesome. Um, the, the avatar and the fire Lord episode, just like world building wise is like, you know, very meaty and lots of cool stuff that we, all the writers had put in there to, uh, you know, bolster like the backstory of Sozin and Ozai and, and that whole history. That's really, it's a really um, ambitious story to tell in one episode, right? Yeah, there's a lot in there. <laughs> Definitely. In a great way. There was way. a point where we had, we were like, should this be two parts? But it was like, we were, you know, we only had a limited number of episodes. So it was like, we had all this other stuff we wanted to get to. Um, obviously, Ember Island Players is a totally the, like, yes. on the other end of the spectrum of like hilarious, you know, wacky sort of episode, our version of Eclipse episode that. Um, best just, ever. One of the best concepts. Yeah, it was ever. like a. Wild concept, but totally worked great. And then, and then the finale, you know, there's some, some great, tons of great stuff in the finale, especially Joaquin Dos Santos directed the last two parts. And it was, it is like a movie. Like we, we, I remember we got to watch it at Paramount for like the kind of rap premiere party or yeah. which party it was, but it was, you know, crew cast, everyone came and got to see it on the big screen and it, it, it felt like a big movie experience, which was cool. Yeah. I guess that's Man. the answer for where was I when I watched. <laughs> so that was it. That was it. That's where we were. That's yeah, the yeah, place. Yeah. yeah, it was a big there rap party. It was fun. Um, yeah, I did, the headband is another one. I love all the, the ones headband. Mike yes. said. But and and uh, yeah, we were just talking about this. It's like the kind of like the, the the filler episode controversy. But it's funny when I look back. Some of the like filler episodes are some of my favorites, and I think it's it's because it's, it's chance. It's a chance to 
uh, let a character, like if they're done well, it's a chance to like let the character's personality take a spin and you get to see them in, in some circumstance. And I think like for me, it was like, because Aang had his culture, like that's a light, funny episode, but like, here's mm-hmm. a dark spin on it. It's like Aang had his culture like ripped away from him and he kind of had that experience taken away from him. Um, by the fire culture but here he was in the fire culture like getting to have that experience and dante was joke you know was was joking in the beginning like it's some good people in the fire nation there are you know these are just these are just innocent kids who are being fed propaganda and being being spoon-fed a a manufactured worldview and they didn't know you know and and um and i liked seeing that side of the fire nation so again it's like yeah it's technically filler maybe but technically actually filler. thought I it no i don't oh, care for this i don't know but it it, <laughs> it really enriched i thought it enriched um, yes the the sort of read on the fire nation and just our characters and there's just hilarious stuff in yeah, it and, 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 and really good animation yeah. see the gang in the fire nation fashion not bad yeah. i mean looking yeah. good in those fire nation fashion you know yeah growing up seeing you know star wars in the theater and just seeing Han and Luke in the stormtrooper uniforms. Like it was just, there was just something it's cool. so cool is see, seeing your heroes wearing the villain outfits. Yeah, and I think that just cool. burned into my brain and, and, um, and it was just, you know, you kind of have the Smurfette syndrome where animated characters wear the same thing every day. So um, it's, it's nice when you get to like, like oh we'll give them new outfits for this season or right. something like it's just fun to refresh their looks and stuff i'm gonna resist bringing a... up how tron can um touch a, a person from the red side and become red instead of blue because that's not where, <laughs> I mean, you're, not, tron. Not where you're going but again shout out to tron i always I love see it tron. everywhere I'm always have to... it's just the beginning of it's the I beginning of the third everywhere. season it's a first tron reference I know. Janet, first Tron <laughs> reference, beginning of season three, you guys. Down. First Tron reference from Janet Varney. Thank you. I but I would also like to give so it didn't have a, a good down. shout out to the beach. To the beach. Yes. Oh, it's another great People one. People yeah. love that beach episode, as do we. Oh, love it. I can't beach. wait to get to the beach. The That's beach a, again, another crazy. chance to sort of humanize the Fire Nation characters and, and culture. And um, yeah, that was a. That was a fun one. But you all are reminding me that book three, yeah, it's pretty good. There's some good episodes. <laughs> yes. It's hot. It's fire. It's fire. Book three is fire, everybody. Just so book y'all know. Three is book three is fire. In every way, fire. Um, okay. So I'm reading the Avatar art book, you guys. And there is a page in which there are – we see the uh, palace. In the palace hall, we see paintings of past fire lords. Um, in the book, you explain that you only had names for the final three that are pictured. We know Sozin, we know um, Azulan, we know Ozai. Um, did you guys ever name those first two? Do you remember if you like? Do you know if there are names of uh, of those I first think, two? Uh, I don't think we had names back then, but names are going to exist <laughs> because okay, we're well, expanding some of that stuff through the novels and, and oh. And All the right, magpie game okay. may have some information to it. Okay, because we, See, this is the thing. Right. The, yeah. the world building is getting so big that like right. I can't keep it all in my head. I'm like, I think maybe we have that name somewhere and I have to go look it up. And Z-centric. So yeah. Well, yeah. I, I did play the RPG game and I did play an Earthbender and I named him Ezra. 
Oh, what a slap <laughs> okay. in the face to the Earth Nation. Well, I'm glad you brought that That's up, Dante, rough. because we di- I did think we could pitch you some names. Now, it sounds like maybe you oh, okay, guys good. have already named them. But um, if for go, some go for reason it, it's not too it. late and you feel inspired, um, we do have a couple of suggestions. Uh, I'd like to pitch Zodiac um, as a name of one of the, one Zodiac. Of the fire, fire Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, you got anything, Dante? Is that the- <laughs> I, didn't I mean, know, I do the like Zodiac uh, is also I, a horoscope. Ozone. I do like Ozone because <laughs> Ozone and Turbo from Breaking the Movie was played by my it's man good. Shabadoo. Yeah. Like Ozone. How about Laser yeah. or Blaze? <gasps> laser. Ooh, yes. Blaze or... with a Z is good. Oh, Ice. Blaze with a Z is good. Azure. It's like Azula, but Azure could be like yeah. the the like upbeat counterpart. Azure. To I was gonna say Fire Azure. Fire Lord Bob. And Fire Lord Steve. Interesting. I thought those, Interesting. those would be pretty good. Breaking Quick that question. Mold. In the future, even though Azula was only Fire Lord for like a hot second, is she going to get a picture or no? Ooh, oh, on the, <laughs> on the wall. So obviously Zuko is going to have a nice thing. Yeah, I don't think Zuko. small 8x10 of Azula for like a hot second. A few I days. think Zuko's doing some remodeling of the palace after he takes over. I don't know that those portraits are going to stay up for long. Those portraits don't stay up. In the, maybe in the library. In, you know, maybe in the library. Yeah. It's in, oh, a, it's in like, a, like a supply closet. There's like <laughs> a little 8x10 of Azula's reign really for a nice. day. That's really nice. Can you tell us really quickly about, um, you know, we meet Sokka's master in this season and we don't stay with him forever, but uh, he definitely uh, makes an impression. He packs a punch. Can you tell us uh, uh, just a little bit about that character and who what real person that character was modeled off of on some level? Yeah, I I think we we thought, you know, Kisu had been such a, a big part of of the martial arts development throughout, you know, from like during development and then throughout the series. So um, thought we would, you know, visually model a character after him. Um, so Piandao was the, the sword master. And um, yeah, that was a fun episode too. It was, it was neat to give Sokka an episode where he sort of revealed his, uh, his insecurities about being a non-bender. What's your problem? You haven't even touched your smoked sea slug. It's just all you guys can do this awesome bending stuff, like putting out forest fires and flying around and making other stuff fly around. I can't fly around, okay? I can't do anything. It was just, it was cool to give Kisu not just a character, but a character who was going to be a teacher, Um, you know, which obviously reflected like his role with me, like being his student throughout development. And then, you know, he's kind of teaching us. Me too. Throughout. I took some classes also. Shout out to Sifu Kisu. I was yeah. in the park, right? I was in the park right there off of Fountain. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, Sifu Kisu. So, yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> that extends all the way to his sword collection, right? Because that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think we. I can't remember when we designed the sword. Uh, we we might have been inspired by one of his one of the it ones in his collection. If that's helpful, yeah. I told you, Janet, we did that <laughs> art book a long time ago, uh, so I don't remember every detail. But I'm such um, a dork. but then they but then someone down the road from Nickelodeon Animation Studios made that sword out of wow. a real meteorite. Um, 
and it was like an episode it was like a web like a youtube show and we went after the episode we went and met him and we checked out the sword and i was i was thinking like oh i'm gonna, I'm gonna buy the sword and it was ten thousand dollars so i did not buy the sword <laughs> but i was like i'm glad it exists uh so. oh my goodness so we got to hold it we took some pictures you know it was, it was very cool but it was actually for what was really interesting it was forged the blade was forged out of a meteorite and what? it looked like what we drew. It was like black with these sort of yeah. swig, swig, you know, these like swirly marks in it. And uh, was it heavy? Was it? It was thin. Yeah, it was, thin it was sword. heavy. It was, was pretty heavy. heavy. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Wow, ten thousand dollars, you guys. I know. Look for it's, it on eBay. When when you create a world and then it it grows away from you, that's the kind of that's <laughs> the kind of f- financial shock you're gonna have when you find out what is that. Yeah. Um, I just to quickly talk about we we you mentioned the um the avatar and the fire lord such a great episode it, it we feel that um that sort of tip back towards uh past avatars in book 2 with Kiyoshi um and there we are in the earth kingdom as we kind of learn this uh, really interesting great stuff about Kiyoshi of course that's all been expanded with the novels um looking backwards you know in book 1 it's not like we feel the absence of it but it did make me wonder, was there ever a conversation about like a Karuk episode? Like, because there happens to also be a recent waterbender. I don't know if that was something, you know, we hear little hints about him in uh, other places, but I was just wondering if there was ever a conversation about that back then. Not early on. I mean, the, the, the one little thing that we've been reminded about recently between book two and three, um, they needed like extra content for the, for the web. This is before, <laughs> you know, uh, streaming or anything like that. Right. So uh, Nickelodeon wanted to do something that they could put online. And so I wrote this like, it's like Aang's escape from the spirit world. So it's like when he's unconscious, he has this like little trippy, you know, experience through the spirit world where he meets or sees kind of like a little bit of the backstory of each of his past lives. Um, oh. And so we got, that was the first time we actually like fleshed out Kirk at all. Um, but you see, he sees them all. So that, that was like the first time of, of like starting to delve more into the, the backstories. And then, um, and then obviously with, I think we just focused on Roku cause that made sense with sure. the Sozin backstory and, and they were in the fire nation and that whole part of it. So, um, I don't think I ever yeah. saw that. Is it, where's the, is that available somewhere for people to see? Uh, like I bet if you. Check out YouTube. I think it's probably so probably somebody put it up there, but it's. I will say it was not animated in the show style. It was more like flash animation style. Hmm. It's it's it looks of the time. Let's say yeah. It's yeah. It's It's kind of a motion comic. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Can you um, walk us through a little bit of those of laying the groundwork for the lion turtle, or is that too on the spot? No, I I mean mean, I don't. we we thought about the lion turtle if you see the test pilot that we did in 2003 um the the version of the opening of that one like the water earth fire air thing the background of maybe the airbend i can't remember which one was a giant lion turtle statue yeah, he's there I and so mike and i that was early that was when it was just the two of us and um we were on a trip to Seoul, uh, South Korea to find 
animation studios to do the test pilot. And we went to this park and we saw this really cool like turtle statue and it had this huge like sort of uh, monolith coming out of its back. And we're like, man, that'd be, that'd be a cool, cool creature. And, you know, there's all these great lion statues around and, you know, we were doing our hybrid thing. And, and so we had the idea of it. I think we, I, again, like Mike said, I don't remember everything that's in that Bible, like the old series Bible, but we might've had some, some mentions of that or that Aang would learn some technique or something. Um, it's possible. I'd, I would have to look back. Well, but, we definitely, uh, yeah, we had, we planted his image in the, and there, even in the, I think in the library episode, yeah, in the library finds that, yeah. that image. And so like, it was always there and it was like, how do we seed it? So it's not totally out of nowhere, but yeah. without like, you know, I guess spoiling <laughs> the, you know, he had to learn it at the right time and he wasn't ready yet. Until, yeah. We, yeah. we knew more or less what we were driving towards um, very early on. So, yeah. Um, but like Mike said, I, I'm sure there were discussions of, you know, different things, but at no point was Aang going to kill him, you know? So I think we do. And that, and that was like the whole debate everybody wanted him to, including his past lives. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, yeah, him sticking to his code and, you know, like Aang's monk code, at, like in, uh, the blue spirit episode, like he gets a spear from one of the soldiers and he breaks the blade off before he yeah. runs and uses it. Cause he won't use a bladed weapon. Like it's, he really lives by this code. And I'm, I'm often in meetings like Aang is a monk. <laughs> like yeah. this, this is, he's not just a kid, you know, he is a monk. He, he, he believes wow. this stuff. He lives by these things. So this is what happens when I'm at a con and people chide me for Cora being too violent because they keep thinking of Aang and his, <laughs> his monk code. Different life. It's a different, it's a past it's life. A different, different life. life. It's, it's a different life. Regarding the firebending masters, can you tell us a little bit about their origin story and the real life design and inspiration? <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> I'm like, where did, I mean, I feel it like John O'Brien wrote that episode. So I'm sure some of that was like stuff we came up with in the, you know, that writing retreat and ideas of like them finding a lost culture and how dragons were involved and how that could be part of Aang's like journey to, you know, learning firebending and stuff like that. But like, look, this was 20 years ago, people. No, I don't <laughs> remember you, everything. You guys, I, feel you guys like... I mean, obviously you have a different experience because you guys were creating the whole time, but just as an actor in it and I'm watching it over again for the podcast and I'm seeing myself, hearing myself say lines, and it feels like a dream of right, something you know, that happened. Sure. And you're like, it's a good dream, but I'm like, oh, I remember this, kind of remember this. Like, what? I know. It's that was just like, a weird feeling. It's in well, you, that but was it's like not. Like, probably two hours of your life. And you're like, why would you remember two, a random two <laughs> right, hours right. of your life? <laughs> I think but, you know, it's this Ma thing, the it's this whole story. It's like a weird dream in my mind. Yeah. Can you guys talk a little bit about the design of the Western Air Temple? Well, I mean, part, I, I don't know if this was directly from that, but Brian took that trip to Iceland. I, in, in 2007, I went to Bhutan, this little yes. Buddhist country, you know, near India and China. And uh, 
they have this place called Tiger's Nest, which is like a real life air temple. If you ever wow. are able to go there, it's this really long hike, the steep mountain. It's the only way to get there. There's no like cars to bring you up. I mean, I guess you could ride a donkey, but we did not ride a donkey. <laughs> um, and you get up there and it's like a air temple built on the side of a cliff. It's wow. quite wild. And um, wow. so that was cool. I mean, that just kind of generally informed Air Nation stuff. And then I think, I think when we got to the, the Western air temple, we were just trying to, you know, like what's, what's a version of an air temple that's not going to look like the other ones. And, and I don't know, Brian, you might remember design wise, how you guys came up with it, but I don't, I, I don't remember whose idea it was. Um, but yeah, we, I think it was just, the idea that air nomads tried to build their their temples in hard to reach places and that they wouldn't really because such uh, we we've always said it was like 99.9% of their very small population but were benders so they had per capita way you know just like way more benders than the other cultures that they would be able to live in a place like this, you know, where these buildings were upside down and, and were hanging off cliffs. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, maybe I came up with it. Maybe one of the writers did. I have no idea. Uh, but it was, it was fun to design. Um, it was, it was tough, <laughs> um, but it was cool. And it, and it made for, um, you know, an exciting location with this, with the combustion man showdown. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. Perfect answer. Okay, I'm going to ask this very quickly because um, it's fascinating, and I I don't know if you're going to have an answer at all, but um, so we can issue it if not. But uh, Jessica.carry.art on Instagram says, uh, "Have you guys heard the theory about Hama being the reason Kaya was killed? Hama escaped the Fire Nation prison in the Southern Raiders. It was mentioned they had a source who advised there was a waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe. The prison would have assumed she fled back home to the Southern Tribe, and they would have been looking for an adult." Have you guys heard that? Or is that like, is there anything canon about that? Because it's a fascinating theory. I have not heard that theory before, I will say. But yeah, I I think that is firmly a fan theory. (laughs) Copy that. Copy that. Uh, Let's see here. We have a question from Patra.com. Panachia, I'm probably saying that wrong. Hello, Mike, Brian, Janet, and Dante. Which character dynamics or relationships were your favorite to see develop in season three? Uh, I, this will be controversial, but the Aang Katara relationship got to you know blossom to its full potential in season three. It's a great answer, and yeah, it's a great answer. Guess what? Canon controversy. <laughs> no, you know, everyone knows I ship Zutara, but I mean, watching right now, Zuko and May, I'm... That's a good one. Too. I'm vibing. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, you guys. I'm vibing out there. I'm vibing. Yeah. We come in real early with that smooch with Zuko and May, and I, know, I, I don't you, object you to that. kind of snuck a smooch in real quick. I was like, dang, May, like, it's like that already? What's happening yeah, right that's now? that's right. That's right. Um, I, we think we talked a little bit about this, but I just want to um, shout out uh, Saper Diorti, who says, might be a loaded question, but I was wondering, what was the most challenging scene to complete for book three? And that could oh, kind of come me, from any angle. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Yeah, for me, I, I storyboarded the the uh, the light battle between Ozai and Aang. And um, I remember in the writer's room, Mike... Aaron and I talking about it and talking about 
like and I think I was like, well, what if their souls flipped inside out? Because we, you know, we knew we wanted Aang to take his bending away, but we we didn't want it to just be this like Vulcan death pinch and then it's over. You know, we needed it to be dramatic. And so we we were, you know, the three of us were talking about, I think like thematically this the same thing, but it was like, okay, but how do we visualize that? And I was like, just trust me, I'll I've got an idea. Like I have, I have an idea, but it was something I couldn't really describe um, very well, but I storyboarded it, but I had to storyboard it in color um, hmm. in order to, for it to be clear. And storyboards are generally, most people don't even include lighting, let alone color. Um, but I'm always thinking about lighting and uh, just from my painting background. So, um, so yeah, I, I, it was just something I had to, had to draw and sort of, color to make it clear and it was hard for me um i think it was one of the first things i storyboarded digitally on a cintiq um and then i was like this is going to be impossible to animate and like jam animation just I, th- I don't think we had a single retake on that sequence like it just came back exactly like we were hoping and we were really really lucky and then jeremy's score just brings it to life. I mean, you can feel the tension and the struggle because it's a hard, it's a hard thing. It's like two people's souls, they're not moving, but their souls are sort of battling. And, um, I think, you know, uh, Jeremy really, you know, JM animation and then Jeremy really like put that over the edge, but that, that was definitely the hardest one for me, but, um, one of the few scenes I storyboarded in, in book three. So Mike, anything jump out for you? I mean, all the finale stuff was, was insane. Like the action. And then I know, you know, the animators animating our friend, Jamie Young animating lots of the fire and other animators, like the effects of that finale were just, you know, they were intense. So. Well, it paid off. It paid off. (laughs) Guys, we're going to let you go. We're going to let you get back to building more Avatarverse. Thank you so much for helping us kick off. Book three of Brave and the Elements. Always great to see you guys. Great Thanks to for see having you. us. It was fun. See you next time. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We love your perspective. We love your insight. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks to all of you for coming back and joining us for our first episode back. What? That's I'm not. I was like raising the roof. I don't know what was happening. The important thing is we're all back. We're all together. And we will talk to you next week. Right after we turn off our cameras, they're going to tell us all about what's happening at Avatar Studios. <laughs> they're not. You tell everybody we don't know anything. You guys, we don't know anything. I just want to give a few shout outs to some of our dear, dear friends on social media. We asked them what some of their favorite episodes were. I want to shout out Hey Elizabeth, but the E is a three. Uh, she says, The Beach Obs, but there are so many great episodes in this book. I love Sokka's Master and did a whole college project on this episode specifically. But Sokka's character arc here is insane. Love that. Um, Patra, you are representing many, many people when you say the Painted Lady is a favorite of yours. Uh, Patra says, right, specifically because of the message in the episode regards to pollution and spirituality. Katara goes out of her way to help this village in need by cleaning up the water. In doing so, she helped the village, but also helped to free a spirit whose home had also been destroyed. Beautiful sentiment. 
couldn't agree more. Uh, I want to uh, shout out Courtney Reg, who says, Janet, it's so rude to make us pick one. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to let that slide. <laughs> but if I must, overall, it's Ember Island players, because I find that any show that can make fun of itself so well just proves how incredible it is in every single way. I couldn't agree more. D, could you give Great us a little episode. preview? Do you have a, I, I know you love that beach. Is the beach I mean, kind the of- beach, for the win, the beach, for sure. I mean, but every, what the other fans have said, the pain lady, I think is wonderful. I think it's a cosplay fan favorite. I see so many cosplayers around the world doing the pain lady. And I always ask them, are you the actual pain lady or are you <laughs> Katara? Wink, wink. It's a very important question. We it's a see very both. Important. And some are the Panda Lady, and, and many also are Katara. So love there, it. there's that. I love uh, it. And of course, I mean, the, you come on, Sokka, I'm, Sokka and that sword, uh, you know, a little full of himself with that sword, Sokka. He's really, <laughs> really feeling himself with that sword. <laughs> Yeah, and we've already talked about we how much we all love all all of us here um, on this episode. We all love the kind of full movies worth of season finale and series finale, and um, and Southern readers as well. I think you know we talked about it, but yeah. it just gives us such an interesting perspective on our beloved Southern Water Tribe and and our, our Katara making her choices. So um, wanted to share that with everybody. Thanks so much for answering. There were so many answers. I wish we had time to read them all, but uh, we love you guys and we love your input always. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Avatar Braving the Elements. Now, want more Avatar? You can follow the official Avatar accounts at Avatar The Last Airbender on Instagram and Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram at the JV Club and at Dante Bosco. And on TikTok, you can find us at Janet.Varney and at Rufio Zuko. Tell your fellow Avatar friends to listen, rate, and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Nickelodeon original podcast. This podcast is hosted by Janet Varney and Dante Bosco. The theme song was composed and produced by Jeremy Zuckerman. Audio production and editing was provided by Zeke Rodriguez Thomas and MindJam Media. Avatar Braving the Elements was executive produced by Lynn Keston Sessler. Produced by Lisa Summerscale Steeler with consulting producer Janet Varney with production support from Kira Chow. And special thanks to Avatar Studios, Garrett Veltis, and Danielle Pretzfelder Demchik. Trademark copyright and phone record 2023 Viacom International Incorporated, all rights reserved. 